0: Welcome to the MMF podcast, brought to you by the Master of Mathematical Finance program at the University of Toronto. In this episode, you'll hear the recent information session held online for interested applicants to the MMF program. The application window for the fall 2022 school year is currently open, with an application deadline of December 15, 2021. For more information on applying to MMF, visit us online at mmf.utoronto.ca.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to the MMF information session. Um, uh, Thank you for joining us this evening. I'll just uh, give you a brief rundown of how things will go. Uh, We're going to uh, start with some introductions, then move into a presentation to give you some details about the program. And then we'll leave the bulk of the evening open for questions and answers, okay? So if you do have specific questions, we would ask that you wait until we reach the Q&A part of the evening, and then we'll do our best to cover everything um, um, that comes in uh, during the the Q&A. Uh, so, again, welcome. I'll just take a moment to introduce everybody to the team here. We have our, the director of our program is Professor Luis Seiko. He's joining us this evening. Uh, we have Tracy Barber, who is our Internship and External Relations Administrator. Hello. Michael Wood, who is our Graduate Administrator. And uh, I'm Josie. I'm the Program Coordinator for MMF. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is share my screen and we'll go into the presentation uh, with the basic information about the program and then we'll move into the Q&A. So we'll move fairly quickly. Most of you will have already done your research on the program. So the information we're about to share won't be new to you. so again, this is the MMF team, we're uh, a small group, and we are like our program a boutique, which means that we are a small program, we were established in 1998, and we usually admit about 30 students every year. So this keeps the size of the program very small. MMF is a 12 month full-time program, and that is inclusive of a uh, full-time four-month internship. So that means that we start the program in the first term with coursework, then the internship is completed in the second term, and then the third term is another another uh, semester of coursework. Um, And the program begins in mid-August and ends at the end of July the following year. So some of the admissions requirements that are needed for, uh, in order for you to be considered uh, for admission to MMF are a four-year undergraduate degree in a quantitative or technical discipline. So this could be Uh, a degree in mathematics, it could be statistics, it could be engineering. Uh, We admit students from a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, The minimum GPA requirement is a mid B in each of the last two years of study. And if you are an international student, you will be required to provide a test of English language proficiency if you were educated at a university where the language of instruction and examination was not English, okay? So now we'll talk a little bit about the core competencies. These are the things that we think every applicant to MMF should have some solid background in, uh, in order to be competitive during the application process. So the first one is mathematics. Yes, this is not a finance or a business degree. It is a a degree in mathematical finance. So how mathematics applies to finance, how it's used as part of finance. Uh, The core part of the mathematics that we're interested in is in applied mathematics. Um, Finance, of course, because finance is uh, what this degree is related to. Uh, So, an understanding of finance, an understanding of economics is important for you to put the whole program in context. Statistics is very important as well because you are dealing with a lot of data, a lot of numbers, and uh, it's becoming essential for quants to have some type of statistical background. And that could be through coursework. It doesn't need to be a degree in statistics. Programming is very important. It's impossible uh, to be a functioning quant these days without some solid programming knowledge. Uh, So the the languages that we're interested in uh, for students to be uh, competent in are Python, R. Uh, MATLAB is still used. Um, if you have a C++, uh, those are. This is also um, uh, good for your application. It means that you have a, uh, a broader reach in terms of the types of roles that you can uh, be considered for when it comes to employment. Um, you don't need a degree in computer science, but as I said, it's impossible to be uh, a functioning quant without. The knowledge of programming uh, for for your program at MMF and for your employment. Okay. And last on this list, always but not the least, is communication skills. Communication skills are extremely important uh, for uh, the purposes of having uh, the ability. To communicate with others, to seek employment, we will often hear from HR managers that if they're confronted with two applicants of equal skill and education, they will normally choose the person who has the better communication skills. So you could be a straight-A student or extremely competent in everything you do, but if you can't talk to people, if you can't Communicate your ideas, uh, then it is extremely difficult for you to uh, to be considered uh, a valuable employee to any organization you work in. So, uh, please don't underestimate what's normally referred to as soft skills. But they're they're not uh, they're called soft, but they're not to be underestimated in terms of the importance and the value add that they bring to your profile as a student and as a potential employee, okay? So, uh, as I said before, internships are uh, a big part of the MMF program and I'll ask my colleague Tracy now to speak to you a little bit about
2: internships at MMF. Thanks, Josie. Um, So I guess, one of the most important things that the MMF program does is that literally our goal is to take you from classroom to industry. So when you're seeking your internship, there are a number of ways that we support your job search. Um, we work with you early on, even before the program begins. It's a sort of a pre-registration task to um, upload and, and polish your resume so that you're really ready to hit the deck running once the program begins. Um, I also help with cover letters. Uh, And for cover letters and resumes, you're allowed to put the MMF logo uh, on both. Uh, And what that signals to employers is that you are uh, in a widely recognized program for top quantitative uh, talent. Um, We also allow you to create a profile that will help employers get to know you beyond your resume. So rather than just creating a resume book that we send out, Uh, We allow you to create a profile with a photo and and, uh, maybe interesting things you're proud of that might not be on your resume. And what we found is that employers, when they are seeking uh, proper applicants, um, it's a great way for them to get to know you beyond your resume. We also arrange uh, mock interviews and we have something called interview club where uh, classmates interview each other. Uh, Mock interviews can help you prepare and ace that interview. Uh, In recent weeks, we've asked classmates who have received offers to prep other classmates who are going for roles that are similar. Uh, And it was very successful in the case of one student last week. Um, That's just half of the side of it, like how we help you. We're also posting suitable positions that are sent to us from our industry partner. Um, I also seek them out online. Uh, and we alert you when new jobs are posted. Um, We also offer you opportunities to attend information centers from major employers. So big banks, big pension funds, uh, you know, will work with us to provide an information session for uh, students. And we provide additional opportunities for networking, teach you how to network online, because that's a thing now. Uh, and we work with employers to help them identify candidates who have the skills they're seeking and we arrange interviews. And that's simple enough because if you remember that what I started with was we polish your resume. So if you are admitted to the program in the very first week of class, you'll have a one on one with me where we're going through uh, your resume. And from time to time, I'll look at someone's resume and I'll just write down the name of a hiring manager or an employer. Uh, and this year doing that uh, a few months later, that person actually did secure that role with that hiring manager. So uh, I guess it was a little bit of psychic hotline on my part. Uh, but when an employer says we need somebody who's good with bond yield curves, I'm familiar with your resume. That's the other thing about it being a boutique program, right? I know each and every one of my students. I know them by name. I know what their skills are and I know what kind of work they're looking for. So all of these things help me and the rest of the team continue to per- uh to support your job search until so you've landed a position. Um, you know, I'll be checking in to ensure your job search is well underway, that you're making your best effort and I'll do whatever I can to help you to secure that offer. So that's just a little bit about our Internships and Employment Program.
1: That's great, thank you, Tracy. Um, Okay, so the nitty-gritty, the application timeline. So as you all know, because you've been on our website, the application deadline is December 15th. That means that your application, all of your supporting documents and the application fee must be paid by December 15th. Okay? Uh, we will not consider your application unless it is completed. So even if you pay or submit on December 16th, we will consider that to be late and we will not review your application. So please be sure to make uh, every effort you can to get your application delivered to us on time. Uh, What will happen then is that we will begin to review all the applications in January and then in February, we will uh, compile a short list of candidates and we will contact those candidates uh, for interviews. And the interview process begins in February and it's ongoing. We keep going with applications and interviews until we have determined that we have our class. Um, so decision notifications for all of the applicants will begin in March, Uh, of next year. So ideally by the end of March, we will have all of our decisions and our admissions completed, okay? Um, Another thing about MMF is that we have uh, one of the longest histories of uh, a program in quantitative finance, and we have several events that we produce every year, uh, which are, we hope, very useful to our students. Uh, both from an educational perspective, but also for helping you to network and to make connections because we have... Um, a a large number of alumni and uh, working in the finance industry, and some of them are extremely senior and extremely successful. And there is no shortage of people that you can connect with uh, when you start to um, look outside of the program for connections. So MMF Globals uh, is a series of talks um, we began these talks uh, by asking some of our senior alumni to uh, provide some context and some insight to our students um, for how they got to where they are, what kind of what kind of um, tips could they give, and what kind of uh, perspective do they have on the industry and where it's going. These talks were made, uh, these talks were initiated for our students but we actually made them available to people outside of our program as well and they are currently posted uh, on our Spotify and you can uh, definitely find those recordings if you're interested and uh, review those um, uh, after this talk if you would like to hear a little bit about what some of our alumni have to say. Uh, The MMF Symposium is a conference that we've hosted uh, every year in January for the last uh, several years. Uh, Unfortunately, as everyone knows, with the pandemic, all uh, big events had to be cancelled because we were not allowed to bring people together. Um, So it's been I think this will be the third year that we haven't been able to do it, the third January that we haven't been able to host it. Uh, so we will uh, come up with some type of alternative event to compensate for that fact. But the symposium has been very successful in the past in bringing together academia and industry and kind of bridging that gap. So it's not entirely professional and it's not entirely academic. And again, a great opportunity for our students and students around um, other Ontario universities and internationally to come together for a few days uh, in this uh, setting of Blue Mountain to uh, talk about what's relevant, to discuss, you know, the things about finance that are happening, that are changing, that are relevant, and of course to network, which is very important for uh, everyone who's interested in a career in finance or business. Uh, And then we have every year for our students, the MMF reception. And this is um, uh, an event that brings together our students and our alumni and our industry partners. Uh, And it's an evening. It happens uh, somewhere. We will find a nice place to host this reception. And it's very well attended. Lots of our alumni look forward to this event because it's one of the Uh, one of the uh, best ways that they can come and and reconnect with their class uh, and see their colleagues in in an informal setting. Okay, and yes, MMF equals 12 months to success. So keep that in mind. And I will now stop sharing my screen and we will move to the Q&A portion. So we do have some questions that were submitted. Uh, prior uh, during the registration process prior to this event starting. So we'll begin with those questions. But if you yourself have a question that we don't cover, then you can please feel free either to put it into the chat and Michael will be Michael will be uh, taking custody of the chat for us while we're talking. And, uh, or you can also uh, unmute yourself and ask your question in person if you prefer, okay?
0: So here's here's a question a couple of people uh, asked, Um, is there a possibility of uh, getting a PhD after MMF? And, taking MMF and going on to a more academic and research-based component? Maybe Uh, maybe I can address that. Uh,
3: Normally, that is not what students do, but students have done it. Uh, Students, um, on, on occasion, they finish the program and they are just attracted to the research aspects of mathematical finance, and they decide to do a thesis after the program. Sometimes they work for a few years and then they come back and do a thesis after they are working. It's not normal, but it's certainly uh, something that some people do.
1: Yeah, from a practical perspective, if you are considering doing a PhD, then what I would suggest is that you consider where you want to do your PhD and what department. And then you just send them an email and say, listen, I'm doing a professional degree in mathematical finance. Will you consider that for admission
3: purposes? Okay. Yeah, I think Steve had a question. Raise your hand.
4: Thank thank you. Thank you Josie, Tracy, and Professor Luis. I'm glad to meet you. Uh, Me, I am a teacher, secondary high school teacher here in uh, Toronto, and I want to move forward for a new career. Uh, Since I hold a two bachelor's degree in education and one another in mathematics and statistics and probability uh, specialization in other country than Canada, and I want to upgrade my university records as a non-degree student at the uh, U of T, Scarborough uh, next year, and maybe apply, not for this year, but for next year, but I want to make sure what is the pathway. And my question tonight is, if people like me don't have experience in finance industry, is it possible to be considered as, but with a top GPA of top max, is it possible to be considered as a good applicant?
1: Yeah. So uh, you'll notice that when we when we mentioned our core competencies, we did not include work experience. That's because we will consider you for admission without work experience. So if you have work experience, it of course makes you more attractive to a potential employer, but it's not required for admission. Um, Luis.
3: No, I was going to say exactly that. Um, a, a lot of our uh, students, actually most of our students don't have, um, they come directly out of undergraduate. Um, they do have, however, usually internship experience. Yeah. Um, as you know, many students, they they spend the summers doing that. So the typical profile of the students who come into MMF, they have not had employment experience. They have had internship experience as students, Okay. Still, we have students who have had no experience whatsoever. And on occasions, we also have students who come from industry. And one of the things that I can say about MMF is we prefer that not everybody is the same. We like to have some diversity into our class. And we understand and we like the fact
4: that people come from different backgrounds. Just please, can I add something else? Question. Um, yeah, yeah, question. Uh we talk about communication skills. As I am a teacher, does it impact my communication skills or what do you mean about communication skills exactly? Is is it communication skills in finance or just communication skills in, in general? In general. In fact, I
3: as you probably know, I teach that course at MMF. Okay. And uh, the course is structured into verbal and non-verbal skills. It's very general. It's not specific to finance. It is really part of this um, growing area that some people call soft skills. I prefer to call it human skills. That's how I prefer to address it. And it's very general. It addresses um, um, communication skills in in a very general uh, setting, very, very general.
2: I can yes, also add that in terms of your marketability for internship placement, um, having that kind of professional level communication skills where you're presenting in front of a group or in front of a class, um, that goes a long way towards an employer considering you for various roles, definitely.
1: Yeah, so many of you will think, well, I don't have a course in communications. What? How do I demonstrate that? Well, you demonstrate that by... Uh, showing us what else you do. So do you participate in a journal club? Have you gone to a conference? Uh, Do you do volunteer work? Are you in contact with the public? So teachers, professors, of course you communicate all the time. That's That's your bread and butter on a daily basis. But for others who may be wondering how can I demonstrate my communication skills? You do that, as I said, by showing us what else you do other than coursework. How do you demonstrate that you interact with uh, the community at large or other individuals if you work as a TA, you're you're communicating. So these are the types of things that you should think about in terms of creating a profile uh, for your application okay okay
4: thank you yeah just last question uh very specific about the program uh what uh, if i what is the difference for for your program mathematical finance and if i eight months because it's in eight months uh, plus four months of of uh, internship internship, what's the difference uh, uh between your program, mathematical program, and other financial engineering or computer and math of, uh, of uh, computational and finance program, and what is the part of machine learning in your program? What is the, the 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 how machine learning is put in your program? Yeah, I'm I'm French, but I try to speak in English because I'm French speaker, but. He's okay.
2: <laughs> That's sort of a two-part question and I'm going to answer the first part by saying if you want to compare other master's programs at the University of Toronto with the Master of Mathematical Finance program, uh, Professor Seiko and three other uh, department heads will be uh, discussing those very differences this coming Thursday, November 11th. Uh, and, um, What I'll do is I'll let Professor Seiko answer the machine learning question before you move on to Doris and Julio, uh, but I'll throw into the chat a link to the Finance Masters panel so that if you want to see how an MMF degree differs from, say, um, a Master of Financial Economics or uh, financial insurance or risk management, right? We've got an event coming up later this week that'll tell you that. Now I'll just give it to Luis because I'm not going to answer the machine learning question.
3: <laughs> no, but let, let me let me say something else. Uh, the University of Toronto is unique in that we approach the financial sector from so many different perspectives. Uh, we have four programs, four professional programs addressing the uh, financial sector from a quantitative perspective, four. And this is not taking into account the generic uh, programs on uh, business analytics and this and that, which arguably could also fall under that. So at the University of Toronto, we have four programs which are devoted to the uh, quantitative analysis of financial markets from different perspectives. And from, you will hear this on, I think it's on Friday, but um, our program is the most quantitative of them all. And because of that, it's the one that uh, leverages technology the most. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> from that perspective, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all of that is is very central to the program, data science um, and, Another courses that we teach to give our students that edge that they have the quantitative methods, they have the finance, but then they have the technology, which is making our students very unique when they get into the uh, labor uh, force. Machine learning is, is one aspect of it. Machine learning, as you know, these days is mostly at the surface of data analysis. So data is really the the uh, the um the the powerful element here we have a course in data science we have a course on machine learning um and um and, and a few other courses so our focus is technology with everything that comes from that perspective okay machine learning is just one aspect of that did i address your question correctly do you want or you
4: want it's okay thank you professor
3: okay you're very welcome steve so I think the next one uh, was uh, Doris. I think Doris was next.
1: Doris has been waiting patiently. Thank you, Doris.
5: Thank you so much. Yeah, my name is Doris, and I'm from U of T, and currently fourth year in math application, finance, and economics. And yeah, pretty like glad I can be here. And then next semester, I'm going to take Professor Louis' class in 466. Good for you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I have a bunch of questions regarding the program and my personal backgrounds because I'm from UT and then I'm both taking the specialist and then stats major. So that's pretty much my background. But one question is like, what's one thing considered a challenge for students entering this program in mathematical finance for students taking backgrounds in math application kind of thing?
1: I think and Luis Luis can always correct me because he's been at this a lot longer than I have in terms of his tenure with MMF. The thing that the students students find most challenging from my perspective is the fast the fact that we're a fast track program. and we move very, very quickly from one course to the next. Our courses are delivered as modules. So there are 20 courses in total that are completed as part of the degree program. So you do 10 courses in the fall and then the internship is a credit. So it's considered a course. Uh, And then you do another nine courses in the summer. So how do we do all of these things in only three terms? The courses are delivered as modules. So that means you could have one course that's four, le- four weeks long, another that's eight weeks long, another that's 13 weeks long. So I think the students find uh, the adjustment to that pace the most challenging. It sounds Doris like you have a pretty solid background. So I don't think your challenge would be in content. It's adjusting to the speed of the program because unlike the undergrad programs that you're used to where you get a course and you start it in September and you finish it in December, uh, as I said, that's not the case here. There are only a couple of courses that last for the entire term. Uh,
3: Luis? Yes, that's, that's very good. That's one thing. And there's another one, which is as students, a, a lot of your time is spent on succeeding by taking exams successfully and doing homework and this and that. We do also have exams and homework, but our focus is the success in your career. And you're going to see that where students who come to, to MMF We put a lot of focus on your career. Uh, we're still an academic program and you're going to have to take a few exams and this and that, but the focus is on your career. So when you will see that you start to interact very early on with people, people in industry, when we organize industrial events with the main employers in Toronto, you will see and. Uh, students see that our focus is only shifted from an academic program into a professional program where your success is our success and your success is not determined by the mark in your exam your success is determined by the success of yourself in your professional career and this is when we measure this you know the, the, the success of mf is predicated on not because our students took very good marks when they came to the program. No, is that they are fantastic professionals, they have had tremendous projection in the industry and they are recognized industrial leaders years after graduating from MMF. Okay.
5: Yeah, thank you so much. So. Basically, like when we first entering the program, it's more like course-based, and then move on uh, January to April's internship, and we come back for more courses. Like this is the flow of the program. And yes. yeah, that's pretty much yeah. nice. beginning of uh, August, yes. end of August. That's end of August, Yeah. fast pace. Cool, yeah. And one other question is, because I'm also considering uh, the field of risk management, the financial of financial risk management and taking the uh, certificate does help like uh, for the career so um, my question is for financial uh, mathematical finance program does this like somehow build to towards the certificate process when we're taking in the future say the frm certificates yeah
3: yeah so I'll, I can give you a long answer to that. I have been involved, very involved personally, on both the FRM as well as the PRM um, uh, over, over the years uh, with GARP and Premia, and I've been on both organizations. So I know that very well. What I can tell you is that um, MMF started in 1998, and back in 1998, risk management was a new field, And MMF already focused on risk management. In fact, that was the course that I taught back in 1998. I taught risk management. Okay. Now, over time, the field of uh, quantitative finance has opened up. And now, of course, financial risk management is very important. We still teach it. We have a fantastic team from Bank of Nova Scotia teaching financial risk management at MMF. But so many more things have opened up, like blockchains. We have a course on blockchains and um, uh, business analytics, visualization of data, all of that. We all we bring that all into MMF because the impact of all of that affects the financial industry from many different perspectives, from, of course, uh, financial risk management, from payment systems, from asset management, and so on and so forth. So we like to be a very holistic program where we like to leave no stone unturned, we like to address everything that we think is topical in the field of um, of a finance, but to be efficient, we ad- address it from a quantitative slash technology perspective. Risk management also. You wanna get a certificate, if that's gonna be your career, great, do it, okay? Uh, like you may wanna get a certificate on blockchains, right? Uh, fine, do it. But from an MMF perspective, a lot of our students don't feel that they need it.
1: Yeah, I can also say that um, because we do get this question uh, related to the application process. So um, certificates and professional certifications are excellent for careers. So your employer may be very happy to know that you've completed a, a certain level of CFA or FRM, but they're not—they're uh, not considered for admission because they're not degrees. Okay, so we often get this question: "Will you consider this for admission purposes?" And the answer is no. We are considering your degrees only for admission purposes.
5: Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I just have one other really quick, quick question. So considering like uh, those soft skills, like what kind of qualities are you looking for, for like potential candidates? Like, is there any specific things you are targeting or yeah. Right,
1: Tracy, you do you wanna take that from the career yeah. angle?
2: Absolutely. So yeah. interpersonal oh. skills and interpersonal effectiveness is absolutely critical to not just your job search, but your success in the program. Um, you know, There have been times where uh, people who just, aren't communicating effectively, are missing out on opportunities, right? Uh, And it's small things like not setting up your voicemail kind of thing, right? So there's no question that you want to have good presentation skills. Uh, You need to be a strong listener, so that you can take in information and sift through to what's relevant. Um, When you are Working with others, setting people's expectations appropriately. I will get you this by such and such a day, right? These are all things that make really great workmates. I know because I have uh, three of them right here in the Zoom window with me who are all very strong communicators. Um, So those things make good workmates. They also will further your experience when you're in the MMF program. Yeah, definitely. Thank
5: you so much. That's all for my question today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you. OK, I think we'll we'll take Julio's question and then we'll go back to Michael to see if there's anything else in in the submitted questions. Go ahead, Julio.
6: Perfect. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for organizing this this session. And I think in the interest of time, I'll try to combine my questions so that I don't monopolize the section and we can get back uh, with Michael with with more questions. And mine is actually the, the first one is a follow up on, on Steve's original question. Um, I'm currently doing a double degree program, one is in business with a specialist in finance and the other one is in statistics with a specialist in quantitative finance. The thing with this degree is that it's so broad that it doesn't get to focus and develop on some core, one of the core competencies that you were mentioning, which was programming. We're actually only required to take CSC 8 in the Scarborough campus, which would be CSC 108. In the, in the downtown campus, and then we can follow with, with other um, computer science courses. So my question is, I know Steve brought up machine learning, but what are some of the practical uh, skills that you're looking for when it comes to programming um, so that you know we can focus uh, in those, is it data science? Is it, you know, uh, if Python, which libraries so that we can Python. focus on those? Python. To, yeah, Python. Python, okay, to, to Python, develop. Python,
3: Python, PyTorch. If you're good in Python and PyTorch and this and that, then, then, then you're good. We don't no teach bias. it because, you know, people just learn it. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, Python. Perfect.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I should add that we understand uh, completely that the majority of you will not be taking computer science courses because you're not in, in computer science programs. But there are many, many ways to perfect your programming skills. And you can do that through online courses, or you can you can practice. There's lots of open sources uh, of data nowadays where you can you know go collect some data, give yourself a project, work it through. Uh, you can find uh, references from uh, quantitative finance professionals who do blogs or write articles. Important thing is that you don't undervalue how important programming is. Uh, Technology is a huge disruptor. I know that's stating the obvious, but you really have to understand how quickly it has infiltrated the finance world. Uh, Five years ago, if you had Excel and VBA, you would have been golden, right? A little MATLAB, and you would have been a superstar. Now, impossible If you don't have Python, if you don't know R, if you don't have some uh, exposure to more than one programming ability, then you're going to be um, less competitive when it comes to the employment part of your of your experience right because again we're not just talking about what's important in the MMF program, we're talking about career development. And that's always what you should be keeping foremost in your mind when you're considering a professional program, is that this is not just about the degree, it's about what happens immediately after my degree. Okay?
6: Okay, absolutely. You brought up a very interesting point, which was online learning. Mm -hmm. I know MMF has an online uh, learning program, e-learning through MMF. Are there Mm -hmm. any single courses or bundles that you would recommend to help uh, improve programming skills? Uh, in particular, what, what what you guys are looking for, uh, anything that you would recommend from from your platform?
1: Uh, well, our the data analytics course is a new one that that offers um, a lot of um, it, it, it's it's areas that we don't cover in the program necessarily. Uh, but what I would suggest is that um, it. Don't think of those courses as things you can do to prepare for the program. That's not what they're intended for. They're meant for continuing education and professional development. So you're going to cover a lot of what's already offered in those courses Mm -hmm. in the program. Okay. Okay. Like machine learning, like blockchain. Um, So don't look at those courses as things that will necessarily help you uh, for for completing the MMF program itself, okay? okay? And this is the other thing you should need to bear in mind that if you're considering uh, um, a career in quantitative finance is that it's not one and done. You don't get your degree and then you're finished and you can relax and you're just going to move through your, you know, there's going to be a just natural progression through your career. Uh, no, it's continuous learning and it is... Essential that you keep that in mind because you're not going to be able to keep up unless you know that you're always going to have to upskill. Always, that's going to be a major component of your career, and that's why we created the e-learning courses. These are available to our alumni uh, as well as to anyone who wants to take them. But as I said, they're meant they're meant to be professional development courses. So after you've gotten because we have students, we have alumni who took the, the program in 2000 who never took a blockchain course never took a machine learning course, but they need to know these things now. So they can come back, take the course and bring themselves to, to a certain level of understanding that is, um, that is at the same level as their their, their colleagues and their peers, okay?
6: Perfect. Does that make sense? So yes, makes perfect sense. Thank you.
1: Okay, uh, Michael, do we have anything else submitted that we could consider at the moment?
0: Uh, yes, I'll. Um, before we go to the chat channel here, I'll run through a couple of uh, of quick ones uh, that we got in advance. Um, someone asked, "Is there a part time possibility uh, to do the MMF Masters?"
1: Uh, there, there's not. The way the program flows, it would be entirely. It, it would be just too impossible to try and do it on a part-time basis. So we only admit Mm -hmm. full-time.
0: Are there any graduate assistantship or funding opportunities available from the MMF department?
1: Uh, We are a professional program. So unfortunately we cannot offer uh, any um, funding Um, and uh, students in MMF just do not have the time to take up outside employment while they're studying. So the only employment you would be pursuing is for your internship. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Is it possible to get more information? Someone asks about the uh, course content details and structure.
1: Uh, Yes, so as I mentioned, our our courses are being offered as modules. So there is on our application page, uh, a list of all of the courses that students are required to take while they're in, in the program itself. Um, and we are working on updating our course descriptions uh, and those will be added to that that page on the website as soon as we possibly can.
0: Here's a question uh, about uh, FRM levels. Uh, SAW asks, um, they have their FRM level one and a, uh, A low CGPA of 7.1 out of 10 and four good papers in data science research, Um, how would those affect one's application?
1: So 7.1 out of 10, uh, you know, unless we know the university and the country you were educated in, it's not easy to answer that question. Mm -hmm. On our, uh, on our admissions page, on our application page, on the website, there is a tool called the international degree equivalency tool. So when you go to that link, it will take you to a site on the School of Graduate Studies website. There's a drop-down menu. You select the country that you were educated in and it will populate with what is the minimum degree requirement. So the equivalent of that country Uh, for what we need for admission purposes okay so it depends entirely on what country you were educated in what university you went to Um, and you should use that tool to give you an indication of where you are
0: okay and uh, uh, someone else mentions that they uh, were taking a five-year undergrad course and for the two senior year criteria in MMS application criteria, um, would they need their GPA from years four and five, or years three and four?
1: Well, the last two years means the the last two years. So chronologically, if you're in that the current year, that's that's the last year, and then the year before. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. right, let's move on to the chat channel here. And uh, uh, someone asks, what are some typical jobs MMF students take on after the program? What is the employment rate after graduation and the internship placement rate? So I'll, I'll
1: ask Luis to answer the type of job and then Tracy can give uh, some
3: right. stats. Yeah, so the, um, the financial sector has essentially five branches, okay? Uh, you have banking. A lot of our students get jobs in banking, mostly in risk management areas. Some of them get jobs in trading, but trading jobs are diminishing. Asset management, a lot of our students get jobs in asset management is the, I guess the, the most, the biggest area for employment for MMF right now, especially because in Toronto, we are surrounded by world-class pensions that manage billions of dollars in their portfolios. A lot of our students find jobs there. Then you have um, um, the insurance sector. Uh, Some of our students get jobs there, although most of those jobs are reserved for the MFI students. And um, um, uh, financial services, some of our students get jobs there, but it's not very popular. And payment systems. And we see a lot of our students, uh, you know, having bigger and bigger uh, impact, especially on a blockchain dominated world. So this is the five, five branches that exist and where students uh, get jobs in banking, mostly risk management, asset management, mostly in pensions. Um, 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 we also get occasional uh, jobs in consulting companies and in technology firms that are strictly outside of the financial sector.
2: Yeah, and just to add on to that, thank you. And just to add on to that in terms of job titles, right? We produce quantitative researchers and quantitative analysts, um, financial engineers, risk managers, data scientists. The role of the data scientist is really well integrated now compared to five years ago uh, in these organizations. Um, So it's a great time to be a data scientist right now and uh also software developers right so those of you with computer science backgrounds uh if you're interested in working for a fintech company we have uh, a lot of employers that really appreciate the um the skills that uh, mnf brings in terms of placement rates we have a 100 percent placement rate for internships so there isn't anybody that doesn't do an internship in the program uh, i work with you all the way through uh, to ensure that you do have a placement. Um, research projects are typically not uh, the route we would go. Uh, we would want you to be applying for jobs and interviewing for those five pillars, uh, those five sectors that are areas that uh, Professor Seiko was just talking about. So you would interview at banks, pension funds, uh, FinTechs, the audit insurance company, Um, And then in terms of, so 100% placement rate for internships, and we've got like, uh, I'd say we've got like a 90% placement rate after six months uh, in terms of new grads. So, you know, you really want to look at your internship as a stepping stone. Uh, It really is a stepping stone to your career. Uh, We tend to prioritize uh, placements in actual work settings over research projects so that you have hands on experience in the workplace. And then... When so career services don't end after your internship right Uh, when you come back to the program for your spring semester, we get you to start your job search again we hold events that allow employers to see what kind of marketable skills you have. Uh, And we have similar to our internship hiring portal, we have a new grad hiring portal where, um, so after you've completed your internship, your profile, we migrate it to a new grad hiring portal. And as employers approach me and say, gee, do you have anybody with these skills? We always let them take a look at who's available in terms of uh, their job search. Um, And I think just to give you one more sort of anecdotal versus statistical uh, placement rate, At present, uh, last year in our class of 27 people, uh, I want to say that 24 of them are placed, a 25th is debating an offer uh, overnight tonight that I'm going to talk to them about tomorrow, and so you know, you can expect if, you know, if you do a good job with your internship and a good job with your coursework, you can add and, and do a good job with networking and your communication skills, you can absolutely expect to be snapped up by some of the most top companies in the world.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think MMF is really the type of program where it's not your transcript that does the talking for you, right? So in a research program, what your your currency is, your your transcript, your publications, uh, and your your research presentations. That's not the way it works in a professional program. In a professional program, you drive the bus, right? You are the one that is in charge of your career. We're here to support you. We will provide you with every possible opportunity we can, Uh, but it's really you, the individual, who drives that career bus, you take it from zero to 100. And if you follow Tracy's advice, if you you follow Professor Seiko's advice, then what's going to happen is that you're gonna be in a good position when the program is over to make that leap from student to career professional. Uh, But don't assume that if you just present your transcript that's gonna be your. That's gonna be your your calling card. It's not. It's what you do along the way. The network that you make. The connections you make. Um, the contributions you give to your uh, supervisor during your internship uh, placement. Uh, finance is still in in Toronto. Very small. It's a very small world, and it's very incestuous in the sense that you know everybody and everybody knows you. Uh, And many of the instructors in our program are senior VPs and presidents uh, in in the industry. So we have no, no less than five or six instructors who could be your boss as soon as you leave the program. So you need to keep that in mind, okay? Everything that happens in MMF is, is like a job interview, right? Your performance matters. People will remember who you are and what you've contributed. So be aware you are not going to fade into the background of an extremely large class where nobody will know you, okay?
3: Yeah. And actually, on that note, Josie, there is a question by FJ that I would like mm-hmm. to answer in the context of what you just said, because it's sure. very relevant. Uh, in this question, where MMF is being compared with MQF, um, uh, it says that MMF, uh, the course went too fast, and the graduates didn't have a solid understanding of the topic compared to MQF. Let's say a few things. Uh, first of all, MQF is a fantastic program. Uh, we we like it very much. Actually, it's older than than MMF. It's been there for even longer than than MMF. But this is actually a difference between MQF and MMF. At MMF, we are obsessed with your success in your career. And not that we, again, we're still an academic program and we want you to have proper understanding of, of of, of the topics. But you will find, if you come to MMF, that what drives us is the professional impact of what you're learning. I, I, I can understand that sometimes it may look like uh, what you wrote in the chat. Um, if, if it is the case, it is because we are driven by that idea of career success, okay? And that's how MMF is positioned and is positioning the teaching that we do here.
1: Yeah, and, and let's not forget, you could do an entire degree on just one of the subjects that we cover. In fact, that's what happens at raw They have a, a degree in financial risk management, okay? What we're aiming to do is to give you exposure to every possible area that you can come across as part of your career. Now, if you have a deep abiding love for machine learning, MMF is not the program that you should be pursuing. We will cover aspects of machine learning. We will give you an introduction to machine learning. You will see the application of machine learning in finance, but you're not going to become uh, you know, a, a machine learning expert. That's not the point. The point is you're going to have the exposure that you need in order to take it to your job and talk to the computer scientists they just hired to build a neural network. Because the neural, the, the, the computer scientist does not have the subject matter expertise in finance that they need, you do. So you're gonna be able to understand the concepts and apply them to finance and give the person who's actually responsible for, for the, the computer network, wherever you work, uh, the ability to give them the context to, to build that bridge between the technology and the finance. And yeah, MQF, as we said, is a great program. It's completely different to MMF.
3: Right, the key word now is transversality. It used to be called interdisciplinary science. Now it's transversality. It's you, you cut across many different fields. And this is how a lot of the uh, success is uh, driven
0: uh, these days.
1: Okay, Michael, anything else in the chat? Uh,
0: yes, yeah. someone asks um, for the interview process or the interview is going to be conducted in person or will there be an online option for students not currently residing in Toronto?
1: Yeah, well, so in the past we've done both. So of course, if you're local, then we would love to meet with you in person. Uh, if you're an international student, we will definitely meet with you online. Uh, we have, of course, over the last two years done everything online. Because of the pandemic restrictions, so we're going to um, we're going to not make a decision on that yet until we see how it goes in the new year. And if we're allowed to meet with people in person, then those of you that are local, we would be happy to meet with you. And those of you who aren't, we're we're still happy to meet with you online. Anything else, Michael?
0: Uh, yes, uh, Jinyu is asking about the word limit of the um, uh, the application essay.
1: Yeah, so we, we, don't, we didn't put a word limit on it, but please try to, to keep it to one page. Remember, we, or if you don't already know, we receive over 500 applications every year, and the committee is not going to sit there and read a three-page essay. So please confine your comments to at least one page.
0: Uh, Dr. Seiko talked about the importance of knowing Python. How about C++?
1: How about C, Professor Seiko? Okay.
0: All
3: right. Okay. Um, Maybe to define how we view uh, the education of our students, let me say one thing. Um, In finance, the number of jobs in Toronto today that require C is probably 10, probably less, probably five. Okay. Uh, We used to teach C years ago. It was a, a a very important language uh, for this very large system that were uh, developed especially by big teams it doesn't happen anymore uh, so the industry is evolving into a different type of um, of uh, programming um, um, practices and, and and the job descriptions are such that c++ is is not what it used to be okay i mean i'm, I'm love C++. I grew up with C++, but the reality is that a lot of the jobs now require other things. You're going to be doing high-frequency trading, and yes, if you're going to be doing that, C++ is very useful, but there's probably two jobs in the high-frequency trading that you can opt to. And maybe they're going to go to computer scientists. They probably don't need you to know finance anyway. So we try to be very strategic when we uh, teach our students uh, the skills that they need succeed, C++ is just not what it used to be.
0: Erin asks, will the application process require paper transcripts?
1: Uh, Eventually, so if you are admitted to the program, we will ask you to provide official transcripts at the end, but at the beginning, no, you can use unofficial transcripts uh, to support your application.
0: Yasmin asks, I got my BS five years ago and have been working since then. Now I consider that in order to take my professional career to another level, I need my master's. But will my working experience put me at a disadvantage?
3: <laughs> I can address that. Um, um, I would say no. Okay. However, we do observe that uh, the, uh, the uh, people who've been in industry for a long time, you develop a different type of um more practical brain that makes it a little bit more challenging for some of, uh, of them to come back into a university environment where, although we're a professional program and very practical, we're still functioning like a program where students have to sit back, reflect, and learn things, okay? Some people find it more difficult. It's up to you. But certainly, employment experience is, is, is never a handicap. It's always a good thing.
0: Rhetoric asks, may I have any advice on getting an outstanding reference letter from professors? I've been in the industry for two years, and I'm afraid that my professor might not remember me very well.
2: That is a very astute point. Do not ask uh, a professor that you don't have a relationship with, right? Um, it's unfortunate. Sometimes we see people submit reference letters from uh, professors that have a couple hundred people in the class, and, and they start by saying... Yes, this person was in my class, and I didn't really get to know them very well, but they were a good student. So who you want to, like if, if you're hoping to ask for a reference letter, I would say start networking now. Uh, we, in addition to, I believe Josie will correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but in addition to uh, professors, uh, we also accept a reference letter if you've been out in the working world and your current hiring, that your current supervisor thinks the world of you and can tell us why, you are really effective in terms of uh, your interpersonal skills and your technical skills, that would uh, carry weight for us as well. Josie.
1: Yes. So, So if you've been away from academia for a while and it's not reasonable to suppose that you could get a good reference letter from a professor, then we will accept two professional references. But for the majority of you, they should be academic references. So not TAs, either professors or course instructors, people that have had some supervisory uh, capacity, okay?
0: And and just to follow up on what Tracy and Josie said, um, please, please request your reference letters as early as possible. uh, Once you've pinpointed who you'll be requesting them from. The number one thing that I see uh, lead to an incomplete and therefore uh, invalid application are missing reference letters. Uh, So uh, please, contact uh, your references in advance, you know, to find out if you can um, use them as a reference uh, and follow up with them to make sure that they've actually completed the letter and submitted it to the application portal. Uh, Julio asks, uh, following up on Garrett's question about the interview process, does the interview include technical questions or a case study? If so, what is the best way to prepare for the interview?
1: So at the moment, our, our committee prefers to do what we normally refer to as a behavioral interview. Um, so if you reach the interview stage, it's uh, because the admissions committee feels that you already have the technical skills, uh, but that could change. So uh, if we do proceed to a technical interview, we will make sure that anyone who is interviewed will have uh, as much advance notice as possible. But generally speaking, we're interested in uh, not just what your academic abilities are, but would you be a good candidate for employment?
2: So, you know, rather than having to do a technical test, chances are you would be asked to rate your proficiency, in those very popular programming languages like Python, like R, um, do you have any experience with SQL uh, databases? That's uh, something pretty predominant in uh, many employer uh, in employer environments. So you might be asked questions like that.
0: That seems to be it for questions. uh, Unless anyone has anything else they'd like to ask in chat or by raising your hand.
1: Going once, going twice. uh, one last question,
6: if we have the time, this is more of a logistical um, question. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the Scarborough campus, we have a co-op program and that co-op program may push your graduation date from the winter semester, meaning May, all the way till uh, late August. We have our final exams in late August. Would it still be possible to apply for the program? I know you mentioned that it starts in mid August. Would it still be possible to apply for that year or would we have to wait until the following year uh, to apply?
1: No, so you can apply. When it comes time to registering for the program, what what a condition of admission is, and this will be a condition for anybody who is currently in a degree program you must have completed all of your degree coursework by the time the program begins. So if you feel like you're going to have difficulty meeting that deadline, then I would suggest talking to your registrar to find out uh, when is the last possible date that they could confirm that you've completed your degree requirements, because that's what we're interested in. It's not necessary for you to have graduated, but you must have completed your degree requirements in order to be admitted to a graduate program. And that's a condition for admission for any graduate program at U of T, not just MMF. Thank you. Okay. Anything else? Any other questions? I don't see any more hands, nothing in the chat, Michael. No, okay, so I will just remind you then all to please remember to complete your applications and submit them by the deadline of December 15th. Remember your application is your introduction to us We have no other way of knowing who you are and what you can do, unless you provide that information in your application. So uh, I know it seems like a chore, but please do take some time to think about it and to uh, think about your reply to our application questions Uh, and to make sure as Michael said, that you contact your referees early uh, because there will be a rush. There are referees who get, you know, Ask Professor Seiko, I don't know how many requests for references he gets in in one month. So make sure, yeah, make sure you take the time to do this carefully and to do it well and to start early so that you can present the best possible application you can, uh, regardless of whether or not you end up applying to MMF. Um, your application is your introduction to any program. So take it seriously. Um, and we will, uh, this session has been recorded, and we will be posting a recording on our uh, website. So if you need to go back and refer, uh, maybe you want to listen to a particular part again, you can definitely do that. If not, you can always contact us directly uh, through our email uh, or by telephone, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. Um, And thank you again for spending this time with us. And we look forward, hopefully, to seeing all of your applications very, very soon.
3: Thank you, everybody.
2: Thank you. Thank you, and good good night.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the MMF podcast, brought to you by the Master of Mathematical Finance program at the University of Toronto. If you have any further questions about the application process, visit mmf.utoronto.ca. For more information on the MMF program, subscribe to the MMF podcast in your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow MMF U of T on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.